0: Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl, And then you got Brett Farr who will take it to the wow. Super
1: Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger cheese. And the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package be really good? Yeah, I,
2: I certainly would love that. But also, to say that, does this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team.
1: QB one, man. Come on, man. Let's Come QB in the lead right here, So What's
2: Money?
1: He ran right in front of that
0: What's up, guys? This is Jeff Janis. And Janis does a stop it all. Oh, please. What a cat. That's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the Roman Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy and Todd, boys.
3: Hello, hello. Greetings, gentlemen.
1: And what a Thanksgiving Day, Thanksgiving Day miracle, perhaps, one of the... I don't know, least expected victories I can remember in the last few years. I would say the <laughs> marquee victory in Matt LaFleur's tenure, Packers winning 29 to 22 in Detroit. The team is now five and six. And again, I think we said it last week, but a couple of weeks ago we were talking about uh, draft stock and where we'd be picking. And now we are a spot out of the playoffs, which is pretty fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, a turkey turkey day miracle. Did you guys enjoy watching the game on Thanksgiving? You know, Billy, I, at the beginning, you said he didn't like watching the game, game, the Packer game on Thanksgiving. But I think this one might have been a little bit better.
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely enjoyed the game, like you said, unexpected. And I was just, you know, kind of thinking here, we're recording on Sunday night this week. Um, is there anything better? And I think this kind of goes to just Thursday games in general, getting a big win, Unexpected, on the road, division opponent, getting that win on Thursday, getting it out of the way, and then you can sit and relax and enjoy the rest of the weekend for football. I mean, this, this is one of the best football weekends in the year, in my opinion, inclu- if you include college.
1: Yeah, because Saturday we had uh, Michigan and Ohio State. That was pretty nice. Friday, worry free, uh, Tim Boyle, laser show. God, that is, the Jets are fucking.
3: They're a mess.
1: It's it's funny how, like, <laughs> I mean, Rodgers went down, obviously, week one, but then we were a month or so, you know, all of October, pretty much, we were like, shit, we can't even evaluate this team. And now I'm like, I don't even know how much you can evaluate the Jets and their moves, because it's like it was, it was made for Aaron Rodgers, and now with him being gone, it's... Dog shit, absolute dog shit. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny na-
3: how the the narrative around the Jets has changed. That everybody is now like against Rogers and having his guys in there. Like they're ready to pull the plug on Hackett and Lazard and Cobb and all these guys. And it's like, boy, we just we were hearing the same things in Green Bay less than a year ago.
1: Yeah, that's because th- I get. <sighs> Because I'm obviously kind of a pro Rogers guy, and I, I mean, I can't believe how good Jordan Love has looked these last few games here. But uh, obviously, I think most Packer fans thought that deal Alan Lazard got was stupid. Randall Cobb, whatever Nathaniel Hackett, I think he's fine. But obviously, these two years are pretty, pretty terrible on his resume. But. Outside of that, it's like, what can you really get all that pissed about? I I don't know Adrian Amos, but it's like, the thing for me was them signing Delvin Cook. Why the hell did they think they need? This is a Jets podcast, but it's like, whatever. Todd, what did you think of of the game? How was your Thanksgiving watching the Packers win?
2: It was good. I traveled, so traveling Thursday morning was a little bit stressful. Thankfully, I had it recorded, so I just started it. You know, when I got to my parents. Started on the TV and it was I, I could pause it and rewind it and all that other fun stuff, so that was nice. So with the traveling, I was a little bit nervous and thankfully the D V R saved me. So but it was good.
1: Yeah. I obviously a great game. How far behind were you? Like did you watch the whole I, game recorded or
2: So game started eleven thirty, got to my parents for Thanksgiving at like eleven twenty five and so, like, it was cutting it really close. And so we actually didn't okay. get the game started right away. And then actually sat down and had lunch. TV was off. <laughs> had lunch. So I didn't look at my phone for, like, an hour. And I never caught up. I didn't look at my phone until after I finished watching the game. <laughs>
1: Damn. Yeah, that would be tough. I still... I I watched the NFC Championship game in 2006, 2007, right? The, the one against the Giants at... uh my dad's buddy's place scott and that was he had like a tivo this was the early days of like oh. dvrs and it was one of those things where at halftime um we wanted to eat or something so we paused the game and after that we were a little bit behind it, and i i was like i don't like this at all i never want to do this i don't want to willingly do this but it almost seemed like one of those things that like he was showing off his dvr and i'm like i don't like this at all and i in the back of my brain i always blame that on the losses that i wasn't you know, and, uh what's what's the uh, the time with like your body and the world? You know what no I'm talking about? C- circadian Absolutely rhythm. No circadian no. rhythm. My that circ- has
2: to do with daylight and your body knowing what time yeah. of day it
1: is. That's what I'm talking about. So my football <laughs> circadian rhythm was off. And that's why the Packers okay. lost that game. So <laughs>
2: it is the worst feeling if you have to pause it and like to do something like it is. It's the worst. Right? Because then, like, okay, now I literally have to not look at my phone. And if I look at my phone, it could ruin my day. Yes. Or and I look get... at my phone a lot, so it's tough.
1: <laughs> and you get those texts that are just very vague, like, wow, or great tackling, or something like that. And you're like, what <laughs> What does this mean? Was it us? Was it them?
2: Oh, that's the worst. BS we f-
3: kind of did the same thing. So I, I watched the first quarter at my house and then drove over to Hudson for Thanksgiving with my family. So... I had to uh, I had to listen to the game on the radio. I found a radio station out of River Falls. Uh, reception was terrible, but because I was going east, it gradually got better. Well, then we were watching the game after we got there, paused it while we ate, which took, you know, 45 minutes or so. And meanwhile, my phone is buzzing like every 10 minutes. It's like, oh, my God, what is going on? And then we get back and my uncle was like, oh, yeah, we can, you know, fast forward through commercials or whatever. Well, the system they had didn't allow us to do that. So we
2: had to watch (laughs) like the same drive like three times. And it was like, oh, my God, this is so. (laughs) Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. I didn't watch any commercials, which was nice. That's the
1: one nice thing. Cool. All right. Well, we all had very interesting experiences then. I watched. I watched the game at uh, my parents right now are building a. They're forever home or whatever out at the lake. So they're at like this other cabin on the lake. So we were like fucking watching the game, and Blue Jays were coming to the little bird feeder right on Lake Nebagum in there. Got to watch the game with my dad, so I was very happy. We're now two, I'm two and oh this year watching games with my dad, so maybe I have to start doing that more. Ooh. Uh but yes, on this episode, we'll talk about the game, offense, defense, take news. We're just gonna talk about playoffs and the possibility of making the playoffs. We'll have Packers Trivia and then of course preview the Chiefs game. But again. Football Packers won twenty nine to twenty two. I mean, what a What a fun! When we started in training camp, it's like ah, there's gonna be ups and downs, and hopefully the back half of the year, the young offense is gonna start getting shit together. And God, we're kind of on course for that. I think we might have sh- probably should have been a little bit more prepared for the lows at times. Obviously, the four game stretch with the Lions, Raiders, Broncos, Vikings were brutal, and now Rams, Steelers, Chargers, and this Lions game. Like, fucking unreal. And just the Lions, too, where that Thursday night game, we got manhandled. That's why I thought we had, like, no chance in this game is because the Lions are a physical team. They fucking bullied us, you know, in September when we played them the first time. And then on a short week with eight starters out, 13 players or whatever on the injury report, we go in there and bully them when they had, like, no one, (laughs) no one really on the injury report or anything. Going into the week, so I couldn't believe it. But I don't. Is this is this better than the Cardinals win for me? This is like the most unexpected Packers victory. And I could be wrong on this, but since like the Matt Flynn comeback against the Cowboys, which was like a prime time game too, which we had no business winning in the collarbone year, and we came back and won that one, but. Was it as surprising to you guys? Because the whole time I'm looking over at my dad and I'm like, I can't believe I can't believe we're winning. I can't believe this is happening. I think it was super shocking for me.
2: Um, Maybe the most surprised I've been in a while. I mean, after, but it was almost one of those where it's like, maybe you're more surprised when you win, like at the end of the game. But we just we were just dominating them. The whole game like that was like so it wasn't didn't give you that shock factor like if you win at the end like on a hail mary play yeah. or a big play or something like that so it didn't have like that shock factor but like going into the game i mean i just was like well this that's kind of like why it was like oh not a big deal we'll we'll have lunch and then i can watch the packers lose after like whatever not a big deal like it'll i'm still gonna watch the game whatever but yeah that was the way that we came out and maybe the short week bit them But I would have thought if the short week was going to bite anybody, it would have been us. And it, I mean, with the injuries and all that stuff, I don't know. I was super surprised.
3: I think this one is, is more surprising than that Cardinals game because that Cardinals game was back and forth the entire time. And we just as easily, I mean, we nearly would have lost. We nearly lost that game anyway. It was that interception, which was, I mean, that was something I don't think I'm ever going to see again. You know, in a situation like that, but this one, like, like you said, Todd, we just came out and we kicked their asses from, you know, almost the get go. Um, If you had told me on Thursday morning that somebody would be up 20 to six early in the second quarter, I would have said, oh, it's Detroit. They're going to come out and do the same, the same thing to us that they did earlier in the year.
1: Yeah, that was the first quarter. It was also the most yards ever put up in the Matt LaFleur era in one quarter with 137. But that's what it was. I think it was mostly that that was unbelievable because the whole time was like Christian Watson, touchdown, turnover, Tucker Craft. I was like, how is the score 20 to 6 right now? So that was just I was elated. I I could not believe that that game went as well as it did.
3: I was I think this was Matt LaFleur's best game plan that we've seen certainly this year and maybe in the last few years, like I didn't really know what we would try to do offensively with so many guys out, you know, being down Jones and Wicks and Musgrave. So I love that we came out, you know, aggressive and tried to throw the ball early and then, you know, kind of sprinkled in the run game to, to keep them honest. But I mean the deep shot on the first play of the game that, Apparently, LaFleur tried to take out
1: yeah. did that
2: you, morning or did
3: something. Did you hear
1: about that, Todd?
2: Yeah, I did hear about that, but I don't know maybe all the details, so you it should is, explain it.
1: It's the most LaFleur thing ever. So going into the week and the game plan, they set it up that the first play is going to be that deep shot to Christian Watson. And it was either the night before or the morning of. I think it was the morning of. LaFleur texted Jordan Love. I was like, hey, I think I want to tr- change the first play. And Jordan Love was like, no, I I want to do that. And then they went with it. But I'm just imagining like what will LaFleur sit back. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then like a tongue out emoji <laughs> or something like he's just like, yeah, yeah, no, the player. Yeah, I'm going to go with what the player thinks. But, hey, it worked. You know, typical Jordan Love, a little bit under the throne. But Christian Watson was we had a good Christian game in this one where he actually was high pointing these balls and everything. But, yeah, really can't complain too much. Very happy. Very thankful on that Thanksgiving because, you know, we've the whole narrative thing and all these quarterback shit. If we, if Jordan love turns out to be a guy, we're going to look back to this Thanksgiving game and be like, this was the moment where we thought he put it all together. Now next week he'll be, you know, silly body boy and he'll throw like three picks or something. But I am elated. Could not be more happy with uh, the situation. The Packers are in right now with such a young team and Jordan love looking to be a pretty talented thrower of the football. Uh, moving on to the offense. Good stat. Through their first 11 games as starter, and I'm sure people have seen this, both Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love threw for 2,599 yards and 21 total touchdowns. I saw a couple people tweet this out. One was Zach Jacobson, who just steals stats from other people, and he did that on this one, too. I saw some other Packers accounts tweet it out, and he just tweeted it out for, for himself. You know, that's what he does. But he is a uh, he is a credentialed media member, as he likes to put out there. Uh, but, yeah, the offense, Great. This is, once again, what we were expecting. Jordan Love, we can start off with him. Pretty good game. I mean, deep ball, we talked about that on on the jump. Um, the laser to read for the touchdown, which such a lucky play for multiple reasons. It seems like Christian, Christian Watson was apparently in the right spot, but it's like they... So- they they don't like giving Are they
2: saying he ran the right route?
1: The, the, why would you design the play that way? I I don't know. Someone was in the wrong spot. They didn't want to give total blame. I heard um I think Scott Gatewood was saying that he thinks that they kind of gave some of the moose grave stuff to Christian Watson, so maybe he wasn't as familiar being that far off the line and running those routes. So it was something like that, but I don't know. either way can't complain too much. Um Throwing across the field to Malik Heath on that long play, fucking nailed him. I think we got a, no, close to a first down on that, but still one of those no, no, no yes plays, the touchdown to Kraft, a couple of those lasers down the middle of the field to Reed and Dobbs, um, and then the 20, or no, 37-yard run, that was fucking hilarious. That was the cherry on top of the entire game for me, so I don't know, it's kind of the weekly question, but Jordan Love, thoughts? Are you guys as optimistic on him as i now am once again <laughs>
2: definitely feel much better than a couple of weeks ago when things were pretty doom and gloom on the jordan love side of things i mean he and and the people around him are executing too so you know give credit to everybody else around him too making him look good and especially with the lack of aaron jones and musgrave too this week i mean that's tough but um I mean, he's making the touch throws, he's making everything. I mean, a lot of his incompletions too are coming from pressure. Um, not really his issue, right? I mean if he plays like this through the rest of the year, I mean, we gotta be everybody's gotta be feeling pretty all in on Jordan Love. I mean, this has been impressive. Even the growth from last week to this week, I mean, he's really hitting pretty much everything. The only real miss that i can remember off the top of my head maybe you guys have a couple but was that deep ball but he had huge pressure on his face i mean if he steps into that one that might be his last snap of the game potentially a couple of weeks he could have got i mean that was a, a big boy with a full head of steam coming at him so i don't really give him too much uh criticism on that one but yeah it's he's he's been impressive for the first The first time that I can
3: remember this year watching Jordan Love, he made a couple of throws where in real time I said, wow, like that was a hell of a throw like that, that touchdown to Reed. I mean, I still think Watson must have been in the wrong spot because you don't want to take another defender crossing in front of that route. Right. But to still squeeze it in between two guys and right between the one and the one on Reed's jersey, like that was a hell of a pitch and catch. And then I think Spencer, you touched on it too. There was that deep crosser to to Heath, I think it was, where he had a guy like right on his back and he put it right on him, perfectly in stride, allowed him to make the catch and kind of protect himself. Like that was another one where in real time it was like, damn, that was a tight window that he fit the ball into.
1: Yeah, and it's the arm talent shit that we always kind of heard about, but legitimately never really saw in preseason. But it's just like some—he's not even his feet aren't even set, and he's just kind of fucking flinging it with this sidearm stuff. And it's—it's it's like I don't know how you're getting that type of ball speed when you're not able to set yourself correctly. So it's gonna be—it's <laughs> gonna be a variable ride. I feel like I think we're—he—it's gonna—he's gonna be such an up and down quarterback. Just because even watching like football today, it's like you see how more like structured some throwers are, and Jordan Love, it's like loose mechanics and he just kind of makes it work and that's what worked out on, on on thursday so i can't really complain very very optimistic for the future but there was a different negative as well um on that game how do we feel about fox not having the turkey leg i'm sure Others have talked about this, but I remember watching the postgame interview and I'm like, wait, she just means like you don't have it right now. Like you're going to give him a turkey leg, but no, no turkey leg on Fox. They're talking about Madden all fucking day, but no, they f- somehow did not have a turkey leg. Was this sacrilegious to you guys as well? I mean,
2: it was pretty bad as far as like Thanksgiving. I mean, there's not a whole lot of things you have to do for a Thanksgiving Day game other than have the turkey, leg they have to have the turkey on the field at the end. Like that's the only other thing you have to do, right? Who cares about the halftime show? Who cares about everything else? Keep the turkey away from Greg Olson and get it to the field, right? Like he was diving <laughs> into that thing after the first
1: half. Yeah, that Which was I, your buddy. That- your buddy too, who fucked you over on the uh, that white receiver, who apparently Randy Moss said was like the best player out of the draft. It was that same guy that tweeted it's, that it's like brandon allen or something and he started that whole he did controversy and greg, and greg yeah, quote tweeted it. it
2: and said false or something like that
1: right like the legs were still there i'm sure but even like back in the day they had the galloping obviously, Malibur trophy they'd give out
2: obviously well, I, you should have a few turkeys right like you have one in the box you yeah. have a couple on the field like
3: i, I think the the greg Olson thing I I re- watching it live. My first thought was he was kind of paying an homage to John Madden because there's a clip that you could find on YouTube, I'm sure, where like John Madden is introducing the Turduck to America for the first time, and he's like picking through it with his with he's his eating, fingers and yeah. everything. A yeah. religious so, event. So that's kind of what I thought. But when Aaron Andrews made the comment, like, "Oh, we don't have a turkey, but we're gonna make a donation for you" or something like that, donation
2: like, in your name is what she yeah, said.
3: It's like. <laughs> What in the what the hell even is that? Like, who are
2: you making it to? Like, right, turkeys of America, or like, and, who's the and, yeah.
3: and how much are you donating? Like, it was just thrown in so haphazardly. It was like it to me looking back. It's almost like Fox realized they screwed up and didn't have a turkey or something. Yep. and they were like, "Oh, Aaron, tell them that
1: we're gonna make a donation to the Human exactly. Fund for him."
2: That's exactly what it was. Somebody screwed up, and they're
1: like, "Aaron, you gotta tell them something," <laughs> or. I know there's some drama with sideline reporting, or just, how about this? Lie and say, oh, we don't have the the turkey leg here now, but we'll give it to you here in a few minutes. It's upstairs. You could just do that, and we wouldn't care as much. Yeah. I mean, you could have... There was still a turkey leg. I don't even care if the skin's on it. Like, just give him the turkey leg so we could get the stupid picture, but... Yes, that was that was the biggest negative on the day for Jordan. We'll Robinson. remember
2: it forever. The game that <laughs> yeah. Jordan, Jordan loves coming out
3: party, and he didn't get his goddamn turkey, and he got snubbed the legs.
1: Uh, the running game: AJ Dillon and Patrick Taylor. AJ Dillon was the leading rusher, fourteen carries, forty-three yards, uh, three point one yards per carry, three receptions for thirty-eight yards. He's he is a pass-catching back now. <laughs> In my eyes, he is not great. Like in those short yardage situations, just historically, he hasn't really been all that great. I don't know. I you probably blame the offensive line more than him. He's playing way better now, though. He's Other playing short yardage. But is he? He still gets those tough yards. But yes, there, he there, is. There was like a couple, but he's not. He's not playing all that well. I still. But, I'd still like to see someone else get some of those carries. Um. The hurdle was very cool, that pass he caught, and then he jumped over Alfredo or whatever, Alonzo, whatever the hell his name is. (laughs) What is it again? Alfredo.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's uh, uh, Anzalone, Alex Anzalone.
1: Anzalone, yeah. Uh, And then Patrick Taylor, too, who obviously we talked about last week getting signed to the Packers 53-man roster off the uh, Patriots practice squad, but the three rushes, 11 yards. He hit the over on 9.5. That was his... uh, little prop for the for the game and i want you guys to guess this what percentage wise what was the snap count between patrick taylor and aj dillon in this game
2: 60 40 dillon
3: i was going to say about 60 40 70 Billy? 30 for dillon
1: uh, it was 60 52, it was 52 48 dillon so they pretty oh, much just about split snaps. Patrick which, Taylor was out there a lot. I mean, when he was out there you knew we were passing the ball cuz yeah, he had the couple of receptions too, but they obviously weren't going to run with him for whatever reason. And then hey, I kept calling for it. We finally got it. Uh Henry Pearson <laughs> called out to the game day roster. He had he had a few special team snaps. Had two on offense on that uh we'll talk the- about it later, but the the fake punt he yep. helped sniff out too. So that was that was awesome. Once again, like I said, that made my Thanksgiving.
2: Well, and I think he was like in motion. On a, they were moving him around. Like the two plays he was in, I, I, he was in motion. I was like, oh, that there he is. Like <laughs> Pearson's out there. It's funny. Yeah. But uh, I think I think you got to give AJ Dill a little bit more credit for at least like the effort seems to be there now. Where like before, I was Creed. like, it seemed like he was tiptoeing around. Now, when you put him in gun and you run him off tackle, good things are not going to happen. Like that's not him. That's not his fault. Right. But like what gives me, what makes me feel a lot better about him. And and like, if this is what he does every week is when you get him, give him the ball between the tackles, run him up the middle. And when there's a guy in his face, he, he falls forward. That's all we need. Right. Obviously uh, Aaron Jones is out when he comes back. It's a different backfield. For now, if he just runs hard, catches a couple balls out of the backfield when he's wide open. And also, too, I can't remember what play it was. There was that design play to the outside that I think it was like a swing pass. You remember that one? That could have been if you watched the the QB school, um, they showed it on there. It would have been from the all 22. It oh, would have yes. been a big play. I'm trying to remember. It was maybe like third quarter, I want to say. Yep. Anyways, like. In the passing game, he actually is to your point too, Spencer. He's pretty, I mean, pretty adept. He's pretty good, so um, I don't hate him as much anymore. Right now, yeah. If that's yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at for me. I mean, I, this is good, right? Like, yes. this is what we can expect. I'm happy.
3: I don't, it, and I don't know how good the offensive line was in the in the run blocking department on on Thursday. And I think going into the year, like nobody was expecting A.J. Dillon to be a five yards a carry guy. It, to your point, Todd, I think he's definitely running harder. And it seems like he's he's pushing the pile and he's using his size and strength uh, more effectively. So I, I don't have too many
1: complaints about him right now. I I think there might be one this year. I think there's like one game this season where he had an average of at least four yards per carry. Like, I'm not asking for much here. And I understand I've been getting on him, but it's still just and it's different than last week because A.J. Dillon was the lead back in this game. And it's nice that we were able to get such a big lead. But even when, you know, what I'd like to see more out of him in the run game, that's I'll just keep it. It would be nice, too, if we ever get Sean Ryan in there to see if, you know, we're not getting blown up in the backfield in a three third and one situation. Oh, well, sorry, I'm all over the place. That fourth down play where he ran into Jordan Love and then post game when that Ash was started, really bad. Jordan Love was like, "That yeah. was really bad." Jordan Love was like, "Yeah, that was a miscommunication." Um, but he didn't say it was him. <laughs> Pretty clear, A.G. Dylan on a fourth and one, the uh, you know, bulldozing back ran after into the after a TV timeout. Time yes, yes. So once TV again,
2: timeout makes it so much worse
3: yes so i'm gonna Th- that play i listened to on on the radio on my way over to hudson wayne larabee was just beside himself
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So, so i'm gonna stay pissed off at ag don't not as pissed as before i like him as rb two, but whatever pass catchers reed wicks Dobbs, watson Mus- oh, musgrave didn't play but uh tucker craft christian watson i mean it was the jordan love game but also a great game from christian watson Five catches, ninety-four yards, the one touchdown. Made contested catches, high pointing the ball on the touchdown was nice. That sideline catch he had too, getting both his feet in, that was pretty neat. Uh, Reed still a good couple of chunk pickups. I feel like every catch he has is for like at least fifteen yards or a first down. You know, uh, um, people were saying that he looks like Randall Cobb, and it's kind of like that. Randall Cobb 2020 type season he had where everything he caught was a first down. That's what we're. It seems like we're getting out of read, and Malik Heath. I mean, since week one, I've been calling to see more of him. I know he's not like a refined player. He's still an undrafted guy, but it's not like I'm. Comp- I was comparing him to the starters. It's like he has to have more value than Samari Ture just because of the build of him, and he, he is now the new Alan Lazard. He was the most productive player on offense in this game. He only played nine snaps and had the four catches for 46 yards, including a couple first downs. And plus the way he blocks, I mean, he led yeah. blocked on uh, one of those AJ, AJ Dylan, big pickups too. Um Romeo dubs three for 37. Every catch he has. It's like, he's, if he's not dropping it, he's snatching it out of the air. The third down drop is pretty bad, but overall, yeah, like I was saying, not much to get pissed about. Oh, I'll throw in Tucker craft too here, just with the pass catchers. Two catches, 15 yards in his first touchdown. Nice little play-action play play there. Did you guys hear about that, too, that third down call? So it was third and one on Tucker Craft's touchdown, but LaFleur was pissed off, if you watch the replay, because the line judge next to him told him it was a first down. So he put in a first down play call. Then they moved the chains back, and LaFleur is bitching out the ref, but he's like, well, this call works for third down as well so he just kept it in and as the play is going on you see the floor like berating the ref as tucker craft is like catching it and running it That's in for funny. the touchdown so that was that was nice but the pass catchers i mean shit i don't think we can at- ask much more than what we got on on thursday
2: no, it was actually, it was a really good day. Uh, like you said, Tucker Crafts, really fun touchdown to watch. See him toss uh, Hutchinson off to the side. Was yep. it Aiden Hutchinson or whatever his name mm-hmm. is? And then catch that and just walk in. What a great first touchdown after getting his, uh, that one pulled from him. Was it last week or whatever when he stepped out of bounds yep. on that hurdle? Um but no, yeah, like you said. I mean, yeah, there's a couple drops, right? Romeo Dubs had that. Maybe a, it was kind of a gimme. Maybe a little bit low on that. Uh, was it like a slant or yeah, like a, a little low third, third four, six or something? So then, I mean there was there's there's still room to grow. Obviously, it's not like we're playing perfect games or whatever. But like, it's nice to see everybody contributing. You know, I mean, what was it? We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is it was seven or eight different players catch a ball? I mean, that's pretty good, right?
1: Especially when the rest are dead. Yeah yeah
2: exactly when you have to have people (laughs) contribute people are contributing i think that have full kidneys yeah that have yeah unlacerated kidneys um it's just good to see the execution finally like coming together that's obviously a huge part of the flow of the game and that's kind of what we haven't seen it's been so choppy because like somebody will drop a ball or run a wrong route or whatever in like the last couple weeks it seems like the execution is kind of coming together and it's like oh this is football again
3: yeah, Todd, you made a good point with the number of receivers we have catching balls. We had seven, and I I think that's been a theme through most of the year. And I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. One of the things I like about the offense is there's balance. Like we're not we're not giving some guy 15 targets and he's making you know 10 catches, like we did in the days when it was Devonte Adams and then a bunch of dudes. I mean, on Thursday we had two guys catch three passes, two guys catch four passes, and then Watson had five. Um, and most of them have been pretty efficient too. Like, there's not a ton of, um, you know, drops or misses, you know, on their targets. But Spencer, you mentioned Malik Heath. I wanted to shout him out too. Like coming into the game, we needed somebody to step up for Wicks and, um, showed something out there. Four catches, forty six yards on four targets too. So that's really good to see from a a young guy and an undrafted guy
1: especially when he had his first career catch last week it's and I love him too he's kind of like Wicks but I like Heath a little bit more in this way where it's like he's that Keyshawn Nixon Razul Douglas of the offense every time he catches the ball he just like fucking shakes and like looks up and screams and I'm like yeah yeah, this guy this guy likes football he likes blocking as well so I can't uh complain too much about him uh the other thing though well one like you were saying Billy and I think it's kind of like the Jordan Love thing it's they just didn't make mistakes. You know, we had those games earlier this year where we would have six, seven drops. And in this game, there was like two, maybe. And it's like they were finally making the plays for him. Um, and speaking about making plays, I wish... I think it was that two-point conversion on that reverse where Dobbs was going back to throw. That would have been... There was a couple cherries on top. That would have been a nice little thing where if, if Romeo Dobbs would have had a attempt to Jordan Love and that Christian Watson throw at the end would have been, was like the only things which would have made it an even better victory.
3: I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about that decision to go for two there. So if you remember, we had just scored that touchdown. We were up by 15. There was three thirty left in the third quarter. So if we get the extra point, we're up 16. If we get the two, we're up 17. What did you think
2: uh, in the moment? I'm fine with doing, going a full three scores. I was fine with it. Cause you don't, lose anything by being up 15 so
1: it wasn't a huge risk reward i was fine with it either way um i don't something for me it felt odd at the time i probably would have just kicked it to force him to get two two points but now like 2014 has traumatized me so much where i also want to avoid two-point conversions if ever possible so i was i was fine either which way I, I
3: like the idea of going for it because in my mind, you know, like basically the, the decision is what do you feel more comfortable in you getting a two point conversion or you stopping Detroit at least once on a two point conversion. And with their power run game with David Montgomery, um, and then they've got, you know, Jameer Gibbs, which is, he's fast and they use him in a, it's a lot of different ways. True. They've got some speed on the outside, like. Feels like there's a lot of different ways they could attack us on a two, so I feel like if Matt Lafleur felt confident in a play call, you know why not? That being said, I don't really like that play call down there. Like <sighs> it feels like feels like that's become the in vogue thing to do since Super Bowl what was it fifty two or whatever with the the Eagles and the Philly special. It's like I think people have caught on to it now.
1: Like I don't hate trick plays, but I don't like the trick plays always in a big moment like that. I don't the, the team just doesn't seem to execute those trick plays at those at those times. I don't that just historically. To be
2: fair, they weren't kids. executing anything <laughs> for a lot
1: of well, weeks. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm even thinking back year back uh, last year or two with. It's not like we have to talk about that Lazard sweep again or whatever. Um yeah. the offensive line I mean, not a lot to talk about. Again, probably, I mean, a lot of a lot of gold stars to give out. But the offensive line, once again, manhandled earlier this year by this team. And then on a short week, showing up, not allowing a single sack. Pretty neat. Um, Yash was the highest-graded player on the offensive line. And John Rundin still stinks. They did rotate Sean Ryan in there. I think he had like 12 or 19 snaps. It was one of those two numbers, I'm pretty sure. But, I mean, at this point, just... Just put Sean Ryan in there. We say it every week. I don't know what the upside is with John Runyon, but overall, I mean, the pass protection is what we needed, and all day Jordan Love had time to throw, so I can't can't complain too much.
2: It was good. I will say, if it wasn't Jordan Love back there, a non-mobile quarterback's getting sacked two or three times. He was moving around the pocket and making some throws. Credit to Jordan Love for evading some of that pressure off the edge too. And obviously they were throwing everything they had at Aiden Hutchinson. I think in one play I saw they threw three different bodies at him, including AJ Dillon, a wide receiver, and then pulled a, I think they pulled Myers at him on one of the plays. (laughs) So it was like, they were really throwing everything to try and slow him down. Obviously last time he was everywhere and it was scary. Um, But no, I mean, the line played well. Doesn't seem like they're, Run blocking is amazing, and it would be great to see Sean Ryan like we've talked about for the past six weeks. I don't know how long we've been talking about it for. Um, But, yeah, like pass blocking, that's what they're good at, right? And it showed, and so that was good. Gave A.J. Dillon some time, and he worked around in the pocket and made some nice throws. Yeah, I thought the offensive line had a pretty good day.
3: I mean, we already talked about the run game. There wasn't a ton there. I don't know how much of that is A.J. Dillon being back there instead of Aaron Jones, but, I mean... They only had three tackles for loss, and we still ran the ball with, I mean, either Dylan or Reed or Taylor um, 19 times, so it's not like there was, you know, a lack of effort to establish a run game, right? Um, and then, yeah, no sacks, only four quarterback hits. Aiden Hutchinson, like, I don't even know if they called his name on the broadcast. I see ESPN as him credited for two tackles and a quarterback hit, but... I don't remember seeing him hardly at all on Thursday.
1: I wonder if the lines are going to are gonna be a flip-flop of what they were last year when they came out really cold in the second half of the year. They won like, what, eight out of nine or some shit like that. What if they just yeah. shit the bed <laughs> to end the year? Like, nothing would be more lines than that. I don't really expect it, but uh, we'll just see. And uh, with that, we will have a quick
0: commercial break.
1: And we are back with the defense. The defense gave up 22 points. Uh, I don't know. It's it. I, I'm very excited about the team. I think Joe Barry did a great job. You know, he did enough to slow down the Lions offense. Jared Goff, again, and you knew it was going to happen. When, like, nationally people are saying, oh, Jared Goff is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's like... I don't, I don't think he is. I think he just had a good start, and what do you know, once we start pressuring him up the middle. This was like what Joe Barry's defense is meant to be, especially when we first hired him on. Get a bleed right out the gate and then just play with pressure there on out, and that's kind of what we saw on Sunday, obviously. I mean, the, the defensive line might have played their best game of the year, too. Uh, I mean, Kenny Clark had eight pressures himself but um, and overall, were you guys content with the defense on Sunday? How, what do you think about getting all these uh, shots of Joe Barry from in the booth as well that Fox was giving us? If I would give credit to Joe Barry, if he had his
2: hand in the dirt rushing, but like literally give any D coordinator a front four that can put pressure on the quarterback every single play. And you better do something on the back end, right? Like you better be able to play some defense, right? Like. <laughs> They were literally rushing four all game, and they got pressure every single snap, it seemed like. I mean, I can't remember a time where it wasn't too banana and Goff mm-hmm. was moving off a spot, right? Like, it was pretty <laughs> impressive. Kenny Clark was super impressive. Preston was impressive on uh, Sewell. And then, obviously, I mean, Rashawn Gary, three sacks. Was it one force fumble or two? One two force fumbles. It was two or
1: fumble recovery. Oh yeah, I kept thinking Kenny's from last week was this week, but that's not true. Well, uh, regardless, Car- Carl Brooks had one too. Maybe that's what it was. Anyways, regardless,
2: no, I did, whatever I think, four were on the I think field Rashawn did
3: have two. There was one on that fourth down
2: sack that he got. Okay. Anyways, so the the four rushing whoever it was, whether Carl Brooks was in there with. You know, who that sub package with uh Van Ness and Enigbare off the edge. But whoever was out there every single time they're getting pressure and like that muddled together secondary, I mean, was able to perform, which was nice. So without that, I think we probably don't win that game. Here's where I'm at on Joe Barry. Like I acknowledge
3: that the defense is playing better uh than they were last year. And they also had a really good game on Thursday against a good offense. But, and I think we saw this last week too, like last week, in my opinion, the difference in the game against the Chargers was LA came in like first or second in the league at scoring in the red zone, scoring touchdowns. And I think they were like one touchdown in four attempts or something last week, this week, it wasn't. The red zone, it was fourth down. Detroit went for it six times and they only got one. I mean, that, yeah. that does include the fake punt, which I thought was, I mean, everybody in their uncle knew that it was coming because it seemed like every single punt it was talked about that that's something that MCDC does. But, um, you know, looking back at those fourth downs, it's like there was the sack by Rashawn Gary, there was the stop on the punt, um, I think there was another one where Goff was pressured and kind of threw it away or kind of threw a duck or something. So it's like, I don't know how much of those stops is because of Joe Barry. It's because of, you know, the front executing. And if Detroit either doesn't go for those fourth downs or they convert half of them, entirely different ball game.
1: Yeah, I... I don't know the the second half. I mean, the whole second half was just like prevent football. You know, we only had the the one touchdown in the second half too, so I couldn't complain too much. But it was just it was the bend don't break in the second half. Um, yep. Front seven, like I said, Kenny Clark led the team with eight pressures. Devonta Wyatt. I mean, he didn't have a spectacular game. He left and came back, but I loved that fumble he forced on the two point conversion where I think it was Montgomery just blew up at the line of scrimmage. He he had just crossed the plane. It was really close, though, but I love seeing that from Wyatt. Carl Brooks, like I said, forced the fumble, recovered it. He also had five pressures. On the season, he's actually the highest-rated defensive lineman for the Packers, even higher than Kenny, according to Pro Football Focus. You're saying
2: Carl is? He's been
1: impressive. He's been sneaky very, very good. I think I've been saying that all year, but... Especially when you remember he was a what fifth, sixth round pick, hard not to be. And I've been saying it since this whole draft class is pretty fucking spectacular. Um, multiple times Preston was lined up on someone in coverage. Uh, one of the times the guy caught it, <laughs> his guy caught it for an easy first down, and you just see Preston Smith like shrugging his shoulders, knowing that <laughs> they're gonna there's gonna be a meme or something about that play. Um, Lucas Van Ness. He did have a tackle for loss and he does hustle. I still love watching him at least like run down backside runs or whatever. Uh, He did also the last two weeks. He's been putting his hand down in the dirt more. Uh, They asked him about it after the game. And he said that the coaches since he's been there have said he could put his hand down if he wants to. And he feels more comfortable doing that. And I think he had. Well, a decent play last week, too, I'm trying to remember. So we'll have to see if that continues and if that helps with his play on the field as well. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not a ton else to add for the front seven. Quay, I feel like we would have anticipated a little bit more out of him coming back. But I guess he is still a little bit banged up. And I, Isaiah McDuffie was fine. I don't know. Sometimes he seems to be a liability in pass coverage. but He was good. Can't complain when you only get Playing above
2: points. his... Pay I think McDuffie's <laughs> playing above his ceiling. Yeah. I mean the guy is given it everything he's got and he was in on a couple give of big like tackles that. and stuff. And no. Oh, give I got. Like yeah. No, I mean he's 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 good and him and Quay make a decent pairing, so it's good.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, it's good. Billy, any any other thoughts on our on our big boys there? Good. No, okay. i th-
3: I, th- I thought they played well. Um don't know that I have anything uh, anything to add that hasn't been
1: said already. I do wonder if it was like the Lions front runner game where they weren't expecting the Packers to come out and play that well, especially that offensive line that has been phenomenal all season. Um, the secondary with Savage and Ford still out. Jonathan Owens had the best game of his career, had that scoop and score, which I was like, eh, I don't know if that's live. And I was like, oh, wow, that is very clearly a fumble. He also led the team in tackles. I still don't think he's very good. And he might be benched next week if Rudy and Savage are both healthy. But, I mean, Thanksgiving Day to show up like that. And I'm sure the Packers were happy that Simone Biles was tweeting, tweeting about the game as well. And he played all snaps on defense on a short week and 13 more on special teams. So I've got to give him credit there and smacking that dude in the run game. Yes. <laughs> In the third which quarter. Which he
2: got blocked into him. I don't know if you guys saw that. I didn't, I didn't see that he got <laughs> so blocked he into him, actually, no. you can see him coming across the screen, like in the All-22, and then he gets, like, hit, and it's this burst of speed, and then he smacks a running back. He actually got blocked into him, which was, like, the driving force why it hit him so hard.
1: Well, it was such a weird thing to watch live, too, because he came, like, sideways. You know, usually if you're getting hit by a safety, it's downhill, <laughs> but he, like, just came from the left and just knocked yeah. him over. So it was like... Okay, I don't know how often you're going to be in that position to make a play in the run game, but I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Corey Valentine, he had a solid... Or no, Carrington, Carrington, Carrington. Valentine, Corey, Valentine, had a solid game, uh, nearly picked off that one ball that he wrestled Amon Ra with on the ground. (laughs) He talked about it after the game. Did you guys see this quote from Amon Ra where he said... Something along the lines of I don't know the name of anyone on the Packers doesn't defense. know anybody. Well, it was fake. It was just a fake yeah. quote, a really nice looking graphic that people believe for real. <laughs> to the point that after the game, Carrington Valentine said <laughs> something along the lines of, "Yeah, Amon Ra didn't know our our names going into this game, but I'm sure he does now." He said something like that, and it's like. It was fake. It was all fake. <laughs> you used- and Amon Ross
3: still had a really nice game. He had like 95 yards.
1: Yes, but I did like that yeah. they were wrestling for that ball where Valentine backed up the whatever battle he was building up in his brain to actually be physical with the other team. So... I don't know. I'll take that. And then Ballantyne, I don't know. He's been fine as an undrafted dude just filling in with Stokes and uh, Jair still out. But uh, yeah, that was the secondary. Are we? Do we feel more confident in this defense? It's weird how they've almost played better in the secondary with more guys banged up. I obviously still want Jair out there and everything, but it's been... We've had much worse defensive performances.
2: I think... If you can rush the passer like that, I think you're going to have success. You can put Kermit the Frog in the box and (laughs) call the plays. It doesn't really matter, right? If you can rush the passer with four and you can put two extra defenders out there, it's like, yeah, I mean, this is going to be pretty.
0: Even this
2: group, right, that isn't necessarily the most polished. They kind of have like an underdog feel with no Jair, no Razul. You got these safeties that nobody knows who the hell they are, right? And it's like they're coming out here making plays. Like they kinda they're kinda scrappy, right? Like I don't hate it, but I do feel like if that rush slows down, they're gonna get picked apart. And that's gonna be the tough thing. You go against maybe not a Jared Goff and you go against mm-hmm. somebody who can throw the ball into tight windows and not overthrow on fourth down. It's a
3: different game. That's what I was gonna say. If you play against a quarterback better than Jared Goff, you're obviously gonna have far different results. I mean, we came out of that Chargers game saying, Holy shit, like Justin Herbert is a dude, but his receivers aren't helping him out. Like he had he had wide open receivers running through our secondary all over the place, and there were just a ton of drops. So I'm not ready to to say that I'm satisfied with the way that the secondary is playing.
1: Uh I forgot there is a a
2: couple of good points too uh, that I feel like Anthony Johnson Jr. is playing well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he seems like he's kind of like gradually getting into it where it's like, I mean, he did have, I think like seven tackles, which is pretty impressive, but he's making some plays, which is really, it makes you feel pretty good about what he could be. What I like is, I, I mean, we saw, we
3: saw him in coverage on Thursday, but he's also a willing tackler. Like he'll come up and run support and. He'll hit a dude. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make a physical
2: tackle. Corey Ballantyne will not.
1: No, Carrington <laughs> Valentine was the one. who Is it Carrington? Th- yeah, Carrington, <laughs> Valentine, Corey, Ballantyne. Um, th-
3: th- that's the worst part of everybody being so banged up is we have Ballantyne and Valentine out there. I and know. Both of their first names start with C, so I can't keep them straight.
1: Lafleur refers to them as CV and CB, which makes it even more you know it's almost harder yes i would say so too and yeah anthony johnson jr i just gonna add to it too he's like the most football player we've had at the safety position in a while because right, every game he has like one of these hits where he just blows yeah. someone up for no good reason and we that's something well th- no there's a good reason he has the football and anthony <laughs> well, johnson jr does not <laughs> appreciate that sure but darnell savage you know he i don't know but well, he's been fine whatever whatever um yeah, we'll talk about Joe Barry with other shit. Special teams, Anders missed an extra point. This is his third missed extra point in a row. The first first one was blocked against Pittsburgh or whoever that was. Um, but yeah, it's hard to be super confident in him. He was also short on that 63 yarder which was a little scary for him. it was there. a little scary <laughs> thank god i think it was tj Slayton was the one like chasing him down to help like corral him to the rest of the line on the on that um attempt there uh, great coverage on the fake punt obviously we talked about that a little bit the hands team on the onside kick it's getting a little scary there at the end of the game obviously the ptsd and all of Whelan's punts were uh, pinned within the twenty, and there was that one that got downed at like the two. A oh, beautiful, the yeah, like that was nice. The chef's kiss punt, you know, punt coverage type of play, which we very rarely see in Green Bay. Where I believe it was Rochelle popped the ball when it was going into the end zone in the air, and then I forgot who downed it at the two. It might have been Owens, but it was. That's what you want out of your your punt team. Uh,
2: I think that is the one thing with, it seems like the hang time that he gives, he maybe doesn't have the best like net average out there, but like it seems like that hang time is really good for that coverage team to be able to actually get into a position where like, maybe the coverage team's not actually that good, but their ability to get down there, if you give them an extra second, obviously that's a world of difference. Because that's what I'm kind of noticing is like, when he kicks the ball, it's up there for a long time.
3: Did anybody so the the missed extra point was when I was in the car, so I'm gonna go based on what uh Wayne and Rock had on the the radio call for me, but i one of them said that they thought the snap was high on that extra point.
1: The snaps have not been good uh last week it was a thing too. they're usually a little bit high, and once again, you have Wheelan, who is a first year you know it's not like he has a ton of experience holding it's just it's once again i since we've started i started this podcast because you guys were part of it back then i've always bitched about the long snappers we haven't had a good long snapper since brett good and people give gave rogers shit about that whole presser and especially after this last week with the jets and the whole the people thing which i still think is a bit of a load of crap obviously rogers is kind of an asshole but whatever but we still haven't found a good long snapper since brett good who I think the last game he played was 2016. You know, we used a draft pick on Hunter Bradley. We had uh, the Iowa State kid who allowed the pump block in the divisional round against the Niners. And now we have Orzic. And and last year, God, I forgot the guy's name, but he hadn't even been a snapper since high school. And it's just consistently been uh, a minus part of the special teams unit and this team.
3: The frustrating thing is too, I I wanna say there are multiple long snappers that are established with other teams that we've had like in camp or on the roster. Like uh Rick Lovato is the long snapper for the Eagles. I think he was on the yep. practice squad or something for us years ago um
1: J.J. Jansen we traded yes, away J. J. for Jansen. a conditional seventh round pick there's one other guy too I know too but yeah and that was before Goody's time because Matt Orzic he did win a Super Bowl with the Rams a long snapper now but it's just I don't want to have to think about this shit and well we obviously have to just about every single time uh automatic automatic Anders <laughs> lines up for a game. Automatic Anders? I used that nickname once at the beginning of the year when he was like perfect through four games, but uh, yeah, it's not... uh, You still like the potential because he does have a big leg, but I don't know. But
2: not even. We'll see. He was short on the 53-yarder. I
1: I know, but he's made like 65-yarders and shit. That's what was surprising about that, too, so I don't know. We'll see. Got to give him the the full year, I think. Unless... How... This is great special teams talk. If we make the playoffs. And even maybe if even if we don't, but for for this for this question, if we make the playoffs and let's say Anders is still struggling a bit. Do we sign Mason Crosby to, like, the fucking practice squad and then just have him kick for us in How the late playoffs? can you
2: sign people? No. Is there a rule? Like, at some point, can you not sign people? No, you could sign them
1: pretty There's much There's only
2: forever. a trade deadline. There's no...
1: Right. Because, like, we scooped Tremont Williams up in the NFC Championship game, like, that week, I believe. So you can still make those types of moves. And if he's a free agent, why not? And this is dumb, too, But even right now, I would sign Mason Crosby. He probably wouldn't want to sign with the Packers because he'd want something more concrete for the season, but now it's getting pretty late. But fuck, just have him around Anders to help him out, and this wasn't played at Lambeau, but to judge how to kick at Lambeau would be a great resource. Whatever you're going to pay Mason for a couple weeks, it can't hurt you. I don't know how it could hurt you. Thoughts?
2: Do you think if we go to the Super Bowl... It's, okay, we got to figure this out. We hire, we bring back Goode, you know, see what he's got going on, see if he can come down and he's just, got, just for one game. He has
1: now. There's no way. There's no way does is matter. to play. Do, it doesn't matter. Oh he was barely athletic enough to play when he did. One of the reasons why they moved on from him is because he could literally just snap. Like, he couldn't chase anything down.
2: That's all you need to do. You just need to snap the ball. Yeah, I agree. That's, That's the only thing you need him. to do. Yeah. Him... Crosby, and then who would hold? Uh, who's the best holder we've had?
1: Uh, Tim Maste, I mean, you got to bring the whole. You got to get the whole gang back together. Get, the get gang them all. Back. The, okay. Put them all so on the practice Tim. squad, a special teams practice squad, <laughs> and roll them out there for the was, inevitable Super Bowl. After how was well we JK? This
2: week. Was JK a good holder?
1: He was better than uh, Bahorquez, but I, all right. So I, Tim, so you bring Tim back? Yeah, you have to bring tim back i think he's a soccer coach right now um but with that take news (laughs)
3: football
2: time
1: take news all right take news for the week uh short week we're recording early so you guys have the whole week to listen to this episode uh So I don't really have anything that the beat reporters or whoever we're talking about. So playoffs, you know, this is probably going to be an ongoing theme like it was last year. But paying attention to the playoff scenario for the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, the team is five and six. We are one spot out of a playoff spot with the Vikings and Seahawks both being six and five. The Vikes are playing uh, Chicago Monday night. So we'll see what happens there. According to Vegas and the New York Times, the Packers have a 46% chance to make the playoffs. Currently, the Bucks, Giants, Bears, and Panthers, who we played this year, have a combined 12 and 33 record this season. If the Packers win all of those games, we have like, an, Justice Mosqueda has 91% chance there for us making the playoffs if we go four and two. But I when I ran it, it was like 78%. So either way, if we win four out of the, if we go four and twelve here on out, we're probably going to make the playoffs. Starting things off, one: do we need to apologize to the team in general? And two: do you think we're going to make the playoffs?
2: No, we don't need to apologize. Good. We're too okay. dumb anyway. Thank you. Yes, we're just here talking about what we see every week. Too dumb. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was the next question? See, do, too dumb.
1: Do you, do you think we're going to make the playoffs? <laughs> Oh I
2: don't I I think it'll be close. Jordan Love plays the way he's playing. I don't think we make the playoffs though. Okay. Okay.
3: I'm gonna I'm, agree. Like just looking at the schedule, there's in my mind there are four games in there that are definitely winnable and then two that are much more difficult.
2: But true you know true we've
3: <laughs> we've seen this team all year and we've had some unexpected wins i would say the last two weeks i did not pick the packers in either one they surprised me and and picked up victories in both of those this is true al- we've also had some losses that you know looking back it's like god we never should have lost to that team so we're playing good football now but You know, it's really only two games in a row that I, you know, have felt good about the way we're playing, and it's a long season yet, so um, gonna need to see, gonna need to see a little bit more of that before I feel more confident in our chances to make the playoffs here.
1: Yeah, and like you were saying, you know, a couple of those games that uh, they didn't come out and perform all that well in. um, I go back to that Steelers game. If they correctly call. that uh that lateral that they had we'd be we'd be in the playoffs right now i believe i I think but i what i think is gonna happen is it's gonna come down to that tampa bay game if we beat the bucks i think that's the difference because they're the team between all the other shitty teams the giants the panthers uh the bears and then it's the bucks if we beat beat the the Bucks, yeah i don't but if we go four and two there's a better chance than not that we're going to make the playoffs, so it really is tampa and they've kind of fallen off lately too i think they started the year a little hot i wonder how the bears are going to look to end the season the giants are kind of i don't know i don't know if they're kind of a sneaky fight. their offense team right is now. garbage what do you mean with uh what's the italian tommy devito yeah i love the shit with his parents though that is hilarious have you seen that the little celebration yeah no the they, they do the like Oh, I the... associate with like the Sopranos and shit But yeah the, hey, yeah, yeah, the meatball Is this racist? I don't know But either way, I feel <laughs> I'm still feeling pretty I don't know, I'm glad that at the end of the year We're going to be playing You know, important football Football that's actually going to matter For making the playoffs And once again, the next question Which, Billy, I think you know what this is do you want to make the playoffs if it means Joe Barry is coming back to the Green Bay Packers? Because, once again, I kind of want i want to go 4-2, but I want the defense to look like shit. Because, as we mentioned before, I think two weeks ago, much like Mike Pettin, who had a three-year deal... Joe Barry does, and his contract is up after this We year. don't
2: know that, though, right? Or We do know it's a three-year deal, or we're just speculating?
1: Pretty confident. The Green Bay Packers give coaches three-year deals, uh, position coaches and coordinators three-year deals, unless it's you know something different. So we can assume that, especially with him coming in like Petten, they would have given him a three-year deal, too. So if he sticks around, not only does it mean he's sticking around next year, but he'd have a brand-new contract. And the Green Bay Packers do not like moving on from contracts like that because, you know, they're the Green Bay Packers. They try to penny pinch a little bit here and there. You know, I've talked about the special teams uh, coaching shit uh, way too much. So do you want to make the playoffs if it means Joe Barry's back next year? Is this a bad question to ask once again? But I don't know. I'm still thinking about it, Todd.
2: I always want to make the playoffs. Because the there's no guarantee if we go zero and six there's no and the defense looks horrible there's no guarantee he's not coming back anyway. Exactly. So it's like <clears throat> make the playoffs. I mean, if if it's the ultimatum, I mean, it's not this isn't a Super Bowl team, so I would rather not make the playoffs and for sure have Joe Barry get fired and move on. Right? Like if that's the scenario, but real life, it's like man, I just let's just let it ride and hope they don't resign him. Right? If that if his contracts up, let's just. Hope for the best on the field and see what happens. Hopefully, Lafleur's got enough where he's like, "Yeah, let's just walk away." It's it's no. There's he doesn't even have to call him. He can just he can ghost him. <laughs> he can delete his phone number. And be be like, Who's this? I got a new phone. I don't know. And then like, there's not even any conflict that Lafleur has to like go through. So it's just it's the easy whole the office space. Happens.
1: The office space is not Milton, Billy, you got to know that one. Yeah, it's. What is it? We uh... <laughs> he was moved him he,
3: to like the the bowels the of Lambeau
1: Field in a broom closet. <laughs> they did. They didn't
3: fire him. And they they take just take his stapler.
1: Him. Yeah. So maybe that's what it'll be. He'll just go up to Lambo and his card key won't work.
2: Don't they tell him in the movie too that he can't have any like cake or jello or something like that too? No, like, he they,
1: they they keep passing the cake and he's oh. the first he's the first person who gets handed a piece and then you have to pass it down until you everyone gets a it. piece and then it was all gone and, and then it's and gone. Never <laughs> got one, so. But yes, uh very very good uh tangent there but Billy, do you have anything to add? Do you want want Joe Barry back if we make the playoffs? No,
3: I don't. I don't want Joe Barry back if we don't make the playoffs. But, you know, I I think about most likely scenarios here, right? And I think most likely, just looking at the schedule that we have remaining, with the number of games that are definitely winnable, chances are we're going to win, you know, three, four games, you know, something like that the rest of the year and so it's going to be a similar situation to last year in my mind where we're going into the last game of the season against Chicago or the second to last game against Minnesota you know kind of playing for our playoff lives and it feels to me that you know maybe th- maybe things end up going the way they did last year but it i struggle to believe that LaFleur if we are competitive down the stretch you know, and we're we're in the playoff race until the last game of the season or second to last game of the season, I struggle to see LaFleur moving on from Joe Barry because it feels like he would want to have that stability for a young team
1: moving forward into next year. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably right. But it's like I'm now this is once again saying we too much, but the team's only looking better. You get a solid defense, I think this offense and year two, these young guys growing with each other, all that. We could make some type of run next year, I feel like. Especially, you know, teams are gonna get better, get worse, but it's so wide open right now. It's like what? The Eagles and the Niners and that's it. And right. to be tied to Joe Barry potentially <laughs> while going on a playoff run is just once again, it's like that is the worst. It it's the biggest reason why I think the Packers ha- only have one Super Bowl over the last 20 years or whatever, because the head coach, either it being Mike McCarthy or uh, Matt LaFleur, just not wanting to move on from a defensive coordinator. Uh, with that, Billy, you have anything else? You put your mic up. I was going to
3: no. say here's the scary thing we actually oh. have the best defense, scoring defense in the division right now. All all teams in the division have played 11 games. Minnesota and Chicago still need to play tomorrow night, Monday night. But we have given up 224 points this year. Minnesota's given up 230, Detroit 258, and Chicago 286. So we technically have the best scoring defense in the division, which yeah. stunned me.
1: Yeah, well... That's the thing, because I know we give up a shit ton of yards. We don't give up a ton of points. It's just, I don't know. I want to see how we play against, especially Patrick Mahomes next week. But yada, yada. That's called a segue. Yeah. Uh, huh, huh, well, ooh, we shall see because is Kyle an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right, is Kyle an idiot for the week? Uh, you two, you're still over 500 for the year. I think you went 2-1 and one last week, right? Yeah, was it 3-0 correct. 3-0 one yeah. of the two. Should have been 3-0. 2-1. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if that part's true. But starting things off. Who played for the Packers in 2018, had a defensive touchdown, and then Aaron went on Rogers. to... And went on a defensive touchdown, and then went on to finish his career playing two years in Kansas City and one in Minnesota.
3: Uh, Bashad Breland, yes, very good. It was Breland. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. For I think just about a full season, he was the last Packer player to have a defensive touchdown because we went on a dry spell there. But yes, he did play for the Chiefs. He was a decent little free agent signing that we had. I I thought he he had some moments. Yeah. kind of like shannon sullivan uh number two what player did the packers nearly trade for in 2008 but it fell through after the opposing team upped their offer five minutes before the deadline 2000 was this 2008 that's a long time ago
2: wasn't was it misreported by adam schefter
1: no, you always go back to this with Steven Jackson. It's not know. Steven Jackson. I just six every thing. time. I think that was Chaps, Uncle Chaps <clears throat> on Twitter, who was pretending to be Schefter at the time because that was never an actual Schefter tweet. In my head, it was. And that was 2008.
3: 2012. So that would have been Roger's first year as a starter.
2: Mm-hmm. I have no idea. It's all you, Billy. I was going to...
3: so Well, when there's you started two, asking... There's two
1: names that should pop up here for players we almost traded for. I, I really don't have any idea. So, this was Tony Gonzalez. The Green Bay oh, Packers yeah. nearly traded for Tony Gonzalez the whole time. You know, Tony Gonzalez, he was pissed off. He didn't like losing with the Chiefs. He wanted to get traded. So, the Chiefs said third round pick. You can have them. No one was really pointing up. And then an hour before the deadline, Ted Thompson was finally like, yes, we will give you a third round pick. They even sent over the paperwork. That is when the Chiefs said, you know what? Nope. We want a second round pick. So the trade did not go through. And that next offseason, they traded Tony Gonzalez to the Atlanta Falcons for a second round pick. So they did eventually get it. But how different would... (laughs) <laughs> i yeah. don't know it had been if we had uh tony gonzalez and jermichael finley at That'd that time wild. who was coming into his own so yes one and one uh t- tony gonzalez not with did he play for another team after the falcons or was that it for his career okay. i feel like he did play for somebody
2: else I'm i thought that was
1: it but yeah i, I thought can, that was uh, it too pull it up okay very cool the last question and this should, even if you don't know the answer, you should be able to guess correctly on it. The Packers play the Chiefs in Super Bowl one. Who is the only player on the Packers roster did, that did not play in the game?
3: I know this one.
1: Okay, then answer it. I'm excited.
3: Paul Horning.
1: Yes, it was Paul Horning. He had a stinger or something. He couldn't play. He was injured. I know previously he didn't play a whole season because he had to, uh, what, fulfill a full year in the army, I believe. Is that right, Billy? You're a historian. He, guy.
3: he missed a season because of uh, his gambling. Uh, the... He missed like the 62 season or 63 season.
1: That's um, right. There was There was the gambling, sorry to interrupt, but... I think it might have been it was some championship game where Vince Lombardi wrote to Nixon and said he he, makes- he
3: like called John Kennedy, apparently. OK, that's Which, OK. It, I mean, if if you were to tell me that Vince Lombardi had a direct line <laughs> to the president of the United States, I'd be like, yeah, I totally buy that.
1: And I think what he said is it was either Vince who said it to the president or the president that said it to him was america deserves to watch paul horning play football or the full you know green bay packers play right that that was enough for them to allow him to play apparently so there you go but apparently
3: apparently i think it was lombardi or somebody at the end of super bowl one went and asked horning because he had suited up for the game like hey do you want to get in do you want to play
1: and he said no huh i wonder how much of that also goes into the uh max mcgee whole story who i believe it was him and horning who went out the night before and got obliterated uh max mcgee such a good story yeah and i'm sure everyone's heard it at this point but max mcgee was hung over didn't think he was gonna have to play and then on the first play was boyd dowler got hurt boyd dowler got hurt so max mcgee goes in catches the first touchdown the super bowl behind his back pretty much one hand has the second touchdown two and he was hung titties in the game probably should have been the mvp of i was gonna game say too.
3: i i wish he had been mvp of that game just so we could have had a post-game interview
1: between <laughs> him and pat
3: summerall or whatever <laughs> <Yeah>. on tv <laughs> max mcgee is hung god. over
1: off his ass that would have been good god that would have gone uh, viral back when they didn't even have uh, the internet i'm sure so billy do you have a stump spenny question for me i do So the last time the Packers,
3: before Thursday, of course, played Detroit on Thanksgiving was in 2013. We lost that game 40-10. to Who Mm -hmm. scored our only touchdown in that game? And I'll give you a hint. It came on a defensive score.
1: Damn it. I, I was going to guess Jeremy Ross before you said that that it was a return. I think he had like one return touchdown for us, or maybe he had just a lot of really good returns for us that uh around that time. A defensive touchdown. You know, I'm not gonna be confident in this. 2014. I'm just gonna thirteen. 2013. 2013. You know what? I remember. <sighs> I want to, my first thought was Tremont, but I just remember Charles Woodson doing the Heisman pose in his white Packer jersey, and I think that was in Detroit, so I'm going to go with Charles Woodson.
3: It was not Charles Woodson. Damn it. Uh, that that game, I remember that one, that was on Thanksgiving. I want to say that was like 2008, maybe. That might have been okay. Roger's first year. Okay. Um the correct answer was Morgan Burnett. He had a scoop and score on a uh, I think it was a Nick Perry strip sack.
1: Ah, uh, the nothing explains the mid Packers defense of the mid 2010s than uh Nick Perry and <laughs> Morgan Burnett. The draft picks who were just good enough to be like, "Eh, they didn't suck," you know. They were halfway decent players. Morgan Burnett uh retired for the Pack with the Packers last year. I think I mentioned that last week, but uh very yeah. very important stuff.
3: He he didn't didn't mean that somebody had to get cut off the
1: team. I mean, we were <laughs> right. we were able to do that without right so, without <laughs> yeah. It. Unfortunately yeah. Brian Balaga. With that the preview the Packers are playing the Chiefs at Lambeau Field on Sunday night. Sunday night football on NBC at seven twenty. Mike Trico and Chris Collinsworth. The Chiefs right now and this will probably change because it's very early. But the Chiefs are seven point favorites with an over under of forty two. We'll see that, like I said, that'll probably change. Chiefs are 8-3 and three after coming back against the Raiders on Sunday, winning 31-17. They scored 17 points in the second half after not scoring at all in the second half for like a month, I think it was. They were kind of like Was
2: that, that what it was? They hadn't scored in the second half for a month? I three, remember there was something like that. Three weeks in a row. They just snapped it today.
1: Three weeks in a row. Okay. Uh, so they were kind of like the opposite of the Packers. Because even before that, I know they weren't very good in the second half. But uh, team stats, offense, they're 14th in points, scoring 22 and a half. They're 8th in yards per game, 36, 365. They're 12th in yards per carry at 4.3 and 11th in yards per pass at 6.7. They have the second most turnovers in the league. And they are sacked the least in the NFL, which is kind of weird to have two complete different you know usually they kind of correlate there you know if you're getting pressured a lot you're having more turnovers but not the chiefs mahomes is their quarterback i don't know if you've heard about him 19 touchdowns nine picks on the season a 93 rating isaiah pacheco the middle round draft pick last year i think late round draft pick is their leading rusher has 614 yards on the season with a 4.3 average all the other running backs kind of suck uh ceh is still there and he's blah Receivers, Rasheed Rice, the rookie, is their leader at 420 yards, for touchdowns. The other receivers, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, MBS, are all... uh, Justin Watson has like 350 yards on the season, but everyone else is under that, and everyone knows how MBS dropped the ball the previous week, (laughs) which we're all very accustomed to. Travis Kelsey is their leading pass catcher with 641 yards and five touchdowns. Noah Gray is also having a halfway decent season. Their backup tight end, uh, Travis Kelsey, is dating Taylor Swift. Their offensive line is solid. Huh? The least amount of sacks in the league, like I said. And then on defense, they are third in points per game, allowing only 16.4. They are fourth in yards per game. 28th in yards per rush at 4.5. Third in yards per pass, 5.5. That is extremely extremely small uh they for they forced the 15th most turnovers per game and they're second in the league in sacks chris jones is still there on the defensive line he has seven and a half sacks on the season george karloffis Kar- karloffis karloffis the Carlafis. Yeah, i don't okay. is the purdue defensive end he has seven sacks on the season Trent McDuffie, one of their corners, has five fumbles forced this season. He does that peanut punch, and he's pretty good at it, so look out for him. Ladarius Snead leads them in pass breakups to their other corner, but overall, a great defense. Um, It's funny uh, how—God, what's his name? The Giants' old head coach. That's Stefanski. Spagnola. Spagnola. (laughs) Stefanski, Spagnola. Really since that Jordan Love game, his first start, is where they turned the defense around. Like They weren't doing well there. They started blitzing more and pressuring the quarterback, and since then, they've kind of just rolled with it. So kind of an odd Chiefs team this year. It feels like they are like, uh, you know, mid-stage Aaron Rodgers, where it's... You know, the offense does enough, the defense does enough, but it's really just hoping that they can wait around and have Patrick Mahomes be Patrick Mahomes late in the game. But yeah, they're still eight and three on the season. It's funny because going into the Lions game, I thought we would for sure lose the Lions game, and I felt pretty good about the Chiefs game. And now, especially after today and the Chiefs finding a little bit more on offense, I'm a little bit more worried that they will win this game. But it is at Lambeau. You know, like I said, they've been struggling, yada, yada. But another... God, we've, we've played the Chiefs quite a bit. This obviously isn't going to get be the Aaron Rodgers-Mahomes matchup that inevitably will never happen now. But early thoughts on this game, Todd? Mm. Yeah, definitely
2: going to be the best defense we've gone up against in a while. So that'll be interesting to see how... The execution's been much better, but it'll be nice to go up against a a good defense. I think Jordan Love does good against the Blitz. Um, He didn't last time he played the Chiefs, but I think, in general, his stats look pretty good against the Chiefs, so I'm not super worried about that. More just everybody around him still executing. I don't know. That's my worry in this one is that defense. The offense, too, like you said. Putting up some points as of late, so that's a little scary. But those wide receivers don't help Mahomes at all, so that's kind of going to be the saving grace if we do end up pulling it out.
3: Yeah, the the Chiefs this year to me kind of feel like, Spencer. I think your comparison to you know the the mid career Aaron Rodgers, where and I felt this as a fan at least, where it was just like we weren't all that impressive in any of the games, and it was just like let's get to the playoffs and then the real season starts. Yes. That's kind of the way this chiefs team feels like they're not, they're not dropping 35 points on, you know, on people every week and winning by, you know, two, three touchdowns. Like just going back through their last couple of games, like none of them have been all that impressive. Um, Came off that tough loss to the Eagles. Um, they had that loss to the Broncos, which doesn't look as bad now that the Broncos have won, I think five in a row, we fixed the Broncos, (laughs) but at any rate, like, it just feels like they're just kind of, you know, pretty even keel, you know? Um, so definitely going to be a challenge for our defense and certainly for our offense. Um, but Jordan love, as we've talked about playing the best football of his, his career, um certainly Story playing crew. better
1: than than he was, you know, the last time that he faced him. True. I think we played them in the playoffs or the uh, playoffs. The preseason uh last year. Yeah, because I remember thinking, oh, this is gonna be we have to figure out now if Jordan Love can be the guy or not, and obviously that uh wasn't nearly as important as we uh as I had thought back then. But uh score predictions, hmm. You know, Ooh. I changed my tune, like I said, this week. God, I don't. But I don't know. Maybe I need to keep going with my predictions. Like, I picked the Packers to lose last week and only score 13 points against the Lions. That obviously didn't happen. You know, it's been f- three to four weeks in a row of an offense that at least looks like they know what they're doing somewhat. So I don't know. I still have the Packers losing, I have it 19 27. I feel like, eventually, the, like Jordan Love has to have another clunker. Maybe this is the clunker. I don't know how well the offensive line will hold up against these guys you know, who are obviously causing a lot of pressure this year. But yeah, that's that's my score: nineteen twenty-seven. A get mad at Joe Barry loss, but Jordan Love looks halfway decent.
2: I had it's funny. I had twenty twenty-seven. Oh, is what I had. So a lot more faith. pretty. Yes, a little bit more faith in the Packers. I still had Packers losing. I just don't know. I'd be, I'm picking the same way. Maybe maybe this will turn out like the last couple of weeks where we end up pulling this one out where it doesn't really seem like we're going to. But that defense scares me a little bit. And then going up against a quarterback that can throw the ball, if they can catch the ball, Ooh. right? Like in the receivers or in the general vicinity, right? Like, I mean... I don't feel super hot about the secondary of the Packers right now. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel super great about it.
3: Yeah, I'm with you guys. I I think Kansas City pulls this one out. Um, I think our defense is going to have a a decent showing. Um, Spencer, you said that they're second in the league or whatever in turnovers. Um, And Mahomes is among the league leaders in interceptions. so we might be able to force a couple of turnovers off of them. Um, but like you said, Todd, that defense worries me. Um, Chris Jones is a game wrecker. Um, and we have struggled with uh, elite defensive linemen throughout the year here. Um, so I'm going to say that uh, Kansas City pulls out a 24-14 to win.
1: Mm, okay, wow. 24, 14. Yeah, that's a little bit better than me, at least. Um, or I don't know. I don't know. Jordan Love won't have as good of a game. But bold predictions. God, my I had Ben Sims getting a touchdown last week. He only had 14 or 15 snaps, so I was a little let down by that. Yeah. Hopefully, he did
3: have he did have a target?
1: Yes, he did have one target at least. But I I think it was like in the second half too. And I'm like, damn, I thought he was going to get a lot more involved in this. If if Henry Pearson suits up next week, then. I'll be a little bit more happy to. But my bold prediction, you know, I mentioned it earlier that I th- we thought maybe he'd be a little bit more involved or disruptive early this year, and he's been close a couple times, so I think this time he'll actually do it. Hopefully, Taylor Swift, if she's not at Lambeau, you know, we have a much higher chance of winning the game, but I have Quay having an INT picking up Patrick Mahomes in this game. He's due, you know, a lot of them go through his hands, and maybe this week it'll stay right there It'll, it should be cold it's been fucking cold the last week in the midwest we had like 50 degree days and now all of a sudden you go outside and your fucking the uh, hairs in your like nostrils 20. yeah it's like 20 15 or 20 15 degrees whatever but uh yes quay int todd what is your bold prediction I had along the
2: lines pretty similarly, but I was going to go with uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. with some sort of a turnover, whether it's a fumble recovery, force fumble, or an INT.
1: Okay, I like that. I was thinking about doing that too, but I don't know how much he's going to play on I don't Sunday. So we'll either, see.
2: but he was, he had, he was pretty performed pretty well last game, and I think he's going to see the field a little bit, so that'll be good. We shall see. I'm
3: I'm going to stay with the turnover theme for my bold prediction and say that Patrick Mahomes will have more turnovers than touchdowns.
1: Oh. Okay. I like that. If that happens, I think we win. If we win the turnover yeah, battle.
2: I think we would win, yeah. We
1: should win this game. So some optimism there. Uh, with that, that's the end of the episode. Ooh, if you want to leave a five-star review, that would be cool. A uh, five-star rating. You can do it on Spotify. You can do it on Apple. And, again, on Spotify, there's, like, some comment thing now where you can, like, leave comments after it. So, do that. I I I assume that only helps with the algorithm. So, even if you just after... (laughs)
2: Yeah, just tell us how dumb we are.
1: Yeah, tell us how dumb we are. If you don't want to do that, just write the word ass. That works, too. I think that'll help with the algorithm, just any type of comment at all. Um yeah leave a, or say something nice yeah or say something nice too i don't think anyone sees it but me the actual comments i don't think the reviews on spotify but you can leave a review on apple and if you do that or i don't even care if you do something on spotify too and you want a koozie email us at pnppodcast at gmail.com or dm us on twitter and i will send you a free koozie i still need to send one to a guy in like milwaukee from september i need to do that yeah, you should do that. So with that, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else? Nope. Go pack. All right. Well, with that, Eric Koskinen, please don't sue us. I didn't want my job. Yeah, because just won't pay. I worked all
2: year. I worked all money. And then they took my money
1: I guess Good's never coming back on. Now uh, you said he was fat and <laughs> athletic enough to play. Zero <laughs> percent chance he's listening to this. But that—that that is the reason why they like moved on from him too. Is he Brett Gooch never like chase really? someone down? Yeah, no.
2: He made some tackles. He's got to have a handful of tackles on his. I would I say seem
3: it. to remember him like recovering a fumble I, or something. Maybe yeah, very I early remember on him
1: being in the right place. I okay, maybe that should be like the stump spade or something. He. I would bet he has 3 career tackles. I would I would take the over. I have Pro Football Reference pulled up right now.
3: Uh 14 total tackles in his NFL career. God
1: damn. Okay. How, okay. 12
3: 12 solo. 12 solo. He
1: did recover
3: a fumble in 2008.
1: There you go. Okay, look, how about his last 3 seasons in Green Bay? How many tackles did he have? Uh, I'll do None. you one
3: better. His last
1: four <laughs> seasons, he had zero. Okay, okay, there you go. See, <laughs>
3: I'm
2: Nothing
1: not... <laughs> on the stat card for the last four seasons. Thank you. Okay, so I will, I'll take a small victory lap for that one. Even <laughs> overall, I guess, when he was younger. I guess, before he tore his ACL and had... Uh, I think he Fair. had a couple injuries. So,
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.